Just last year, Aaron Wyatt became the first Indigenous person to conduct one of the major orchestras in Australia. He was conducting the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra in Long Time Living Here, a musical acknowledgement of country by Deborah Cheatham. Originally from Perth, Aaron is also a composer, violist, violinist, music educator, and an app developer. But growing up, he didn't really see himself pursuing a career in music. I spoke to Aaron about how his many skills fold into and complement each other, and the very complicated issue of why it's still rare to find First Nations people in major orchestras. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a complicated issue, um, and it's you know, well, there's no one easy solution ever to these things. The the big issue with you know playing in any of the symphony orchestras is that you have to attain such a high standard of playing to to sort of even be able to contemplate doing that. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's super competitive. Um, so I was very very fortunate to enjoy you know over a decade. Uh, of playing very regularly with with the WA Symphony Orchestra as a casual there, um, but it's it it can be a very hard thing to get into, and it requires such a huge investment of of time and lessons and all of those sorts of things. So, you know, it it's not just an issue, I guess, for Indigenous people. There are all sorts of you know socioeconomic issues that can really prevent kids from having the opportunity to go into to classical music. Um, so it's, you know, partly it's, it's addressing those, those kinds of, of barriers. Um, but also, I guess, in the, in the Indigenous case, it's, you know, as I said, there's, there's been a, a lack of representation uh, for such a long time. Um, one of the things I think that, well, I'm probably paraphrasing here, but one of the things that Deborah often says is that, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. So there, there really hasn't been that opportunity for a very long time for, for young Indigenous kids who might be interested in going into classical music. And so they might want, once again, they might not have even thought of that as a possibility. Uh, so I think on, at least on that front, Ensemble du Tala is, is kind of working to, to try to address that issue of lack of visibility and, and lack of representation. And then also, you know, having that, that scholarship side of things where, where young students are, are offered the chance to come and see us work, uh, to, to play for the group um, and also to, to be connected with, with people who can, who can give them lessons and give them support, I think is a huge, uh, a huge step forward in addressing that other side of things. When did you know you wanted to work in music? I kind of only came to it, I guess, a little bit later uh, in life. Um, you know, it's not something that I'd, I'd thought of doing in high school. I mean, I'd always been, you know, I started learning music at a young age and, uh, had always been sort of growing up through the, the youth orchestra system in, in WA uh, from the junior string orchestras and then into the, the larger symphony orchestras. Um, but, you know, it was as much a social thing for me back then as a musical thing. You know, I've had friends, uh, I still have friends uh, from those days who are just a great and fun bunch of people. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was always a part of my life, but wasn't sort of the main thing that I was intending to focus on. I actually started a double degree in science and engineering uh, at UWA initially. And, you know, while I enjoyed that, it was sort of, I guess, around the time where I was starting to be too old for the youth orchestra. I would have been too old in a few years for the youth orchestra. And I couldn't really see not having 
symphonic and orchestral music in my life. Around that same time as well, I just switched from violin to viola, really enjoyed uh, the sound of the instrument. It's just got that sort of deeper, richer tone to it. And uh, I'd been asked, I think, I think it was to do, to play in sort of a pro-am production of, I think it was Les Mis, or The Sound of Music. It was one of those two, two um, musicals. And, you know, it was getting paid to play the instrument and thought, well, maybe I could do this for a living. When it comes to having such a varied background and career, like one that involves performing as well as conducting and your engineering background as well, which I think has led to an app development that has become, I shouldn't have started that sentence. I don't even know what it does. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's a very, very sort of niche app. The The one that I, the main one that I work on, which was um, this animated graphic notation software for the iPad. There we go. So the new music ensemble that I play in, Decibel, um, a lot of our practice is around non-traditional notation. So rather than having sort of staves of music, as you sort of traditionally see, uh, often we'd have like just a long image that would scroll past a playhead and you would read that as it hits the playhead. And it turns out that that's a really useful way to, to play music that doesn't rely on a traditional sense of rhythm or pulse, uh, particularly, you know, soundscapes that involve long sort of drones or glissandi. Uh, as a lot of the works of Cat Hope, our artistic director at the time, well, and still artistic director, it's been over a decade now that we've been playing together. Um, so really long running uh, collaboration with the group. But a lot of her works um, you know, are, are built on those sorts of long drones and glissandi. And this was a really easy and convenient way of syncing everyone up in a very precise way without that traditional sense of time. Right. Um, so what I guess where I was leading to was where... How do you see those, like all those different roles informing each other? Do they or do they just sort of... Yeah, I oh, know they, they absolutely, I guess, inform one another. Um, you know, I think one of the advantages of, of having someone within the New Music Ensemble who both plays an instrument and also does the programming uh, side of things has been has been huge. And that's the same for other members of the ensemble, uh, Lindsay Vickery and Stuart James, who do a lot of the, the audio max programming. Um, so you know, when you have someone who understands what it's like to play in the ensemble and really understands the musical side of things, the program that you end up getting out of it is really well tailored to, to what the group needs. So I, I think, you know, and certainly developments in the app have been influenced by the needs of the group. Um, and then also, uh, once again, other developments have sort of enabled the group to do things that they might not have considered previously. So it definitely feeds back into itself. Aaron, I know that you've you mentioned that you play viola. When when I was reading about this and talking to somebody much more knowledgeable about music and particularly classical music, um, they mentioned that typically conductors have a violin background, if anything. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of varies a lot. Um, I mean, there are conductors who've played all sorts of, of instruments. Um, certainly, I mean, it also depends on the ensemble. Um, you know, I, I guess if you were taking, for example, a brass band, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for you know, a string player to be, mm, to be taking that. I guess with the, with the symphony orchestra, it, it's kind of, there's a bit of a varied background, uh, I guess, that conductors have. Some of them come from the world of playing piano and doing repetiteur work. Others, you know, I, I mean, 
I guess one of the one of the benefits of being uh, a string player as a conductor is that you have quite a solid understanding of how you know the strings function and they do form quite a substantial part of the orchestra. So you have this sort of knowledge about how bowings work, how various bow strokes will get the sort of articulations that you want. So it's it's kind of it's a very useful I think background to have, but it definitely doesn't rule out you know anyone else from a different instrumental background from from becoming a conductor. Well, I had wondered what it was about um, about strings that lent itself to conducting, which you've kind of said. Mm. Um, not kind of, you have said. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to a new work, how do you how do you approach it? I guess initially it's just a matter of, of really taking a look through the score, studying how it's how it's structured, um, you know, where the main melodies are, where the main themes are, you know, what instruments have important entries, what the sort of orchestral texture is like, um, all of those sorts of things. So it's it's really just coming to grips with with how the piece is constructed and then really getting to know what it is that the players need most from you. Because you know, effectively, really, the, the the job of the conductor is to just, you know, create this unified interpretation of a piece, hold things together and, you know, really aid with the rehearsal process. Aaron, you're just about to head to Adelaide for the festival. Yeah, so I, I head over, I said, just, you know, a couple of days' time and uh, it's an amazing chance to, to conduct uh, the SpinFX Gum program. So it's with an Indigenous choir, uh, Indigenous Girls Choir and Orchestra. Um, I think it's a, f- a project that's been put together over the years by Felix Rebel um, of Cat Empire fame. There was a concert of it last year here in Melbourne uh, with the MSO as part of um, NADOC Week. And uh, I'll actually, I'll be conducting the same program again mid-year this year um, for uh, with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. So it's a, it's a, I think a, a great and fun way to to open the Adelaide Festival. Do you approach a work differently when you're going to be working with children? I mean, in this case, probably not so much, um, because I think that there's been a lot of work done with the choir in the lead up to it. So I'm mm. I'm pretty much just sweeping it the, the last second and just really doing the work on the orchestral side of things. Two years ago, I was lucky enough to to make it past the WA hard border um, to conduct a new opera by Gina Williams and Guy Gauss uh, called Kubari Wabadong, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, Noongar for um, Magpie and Crow. And uh, it was, yeah, the first first sort of opera in Noongar language with an entirely Indigenous principal cast, uh, Indigenous composer and Indigenous conductor. Part of the, the premise of the opera is that it was part of the WA Opera's uh, youth series. So opera by young people uh, for young people. So telling a traditional uh, Indigenous uh, tale. But the chorus of the, the opera were a children's choir. So it was a chance. I mean, once again, a lot of the work with the choir um, on the musical front had already been done. But the orchestra as well were, were members of the WA Youth Orchestra. And, and I guess, you know, when, when you're dealing with younger, uh, you know, younger people like that, it's really a matter of encouraging them, uh, you know, building them up and really helping them to, to attain the best result possible. This month you'll be performing with Consort of Melbourne. What can you tell me about that performance? Yeah, it should be a, a really nice, fun and relaxed performance. 
it's at uh, the Edge in Fed Square. Uh, just a, a morning concert, uh, sort of 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. Um, it's part of the Music of Eva series. And so the, the concert of Melbourne are a vocal group. Um, and they're, I think, they're quite a well-established and very solid vocal group in Melbourne. And so I'll be playing, we'll, we'll be playing a mix of works, some for choir, a few solo viola pieces, and then some works for choir and viola. Most of the viola pieces in the concert are, well, three out of the four of them are Australian works, including uh, a work by Deborah Cheatham. And they're all sort of 20th and 21st century works, just sort of short pieces to intersperse so the, the choral and choral and viola works that are happening, which are a lot more, most of them are sort of a little bit more uh, romantic in nature or folky in nature. Um, and, you know, very, very beautiful, beautiful works. Uh, and then the solo viola stuff just kind of, breaks it up a little bit and uh, maybe adds a little bit of uh, a contrast and, and excitement there. When you say romantic, what do you mean? So I was about to say a little bit schmaltzy. Um, <laughs> you know, one of, one of the pieces in particular is actually legitimately romantic. So when, you know, when we're talking era. about... Rom- yeah, exactly, the romantic era. So there's some some Gustav Mahler uh, that we're, uh, well, singing and playing, uh, which has actually been arranged by Steve Hodgson, the director of uh, the Melbourne Consort. I actually, I wanted to tell you that I got the chance to see you conduct and perform at Woven Song in January. Ah, cool. Which was a really lovely and exciting experience. I've never seen, um, I've never seen you play live. I've never heard Deborah Cheatham sing live. Um, And I I heard a little bit of a weep in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a it was a really um, I think powerful and moving concert. Uh, it's one that we did in Melbourne uh, a little bit earlier in the year at the Melbourne Recital Centre. But I think that was the first the first airing of a lot of those works in Sydney, um, and it was just great to play with such a, a you know a great bunch of, of players from all over the place. So there were the members of the MSO uh, and Plexus there, and also members of the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. It would be it would be nice to talk a little about um, the work that you have done previously with mm-hmm. Deborah, and I don't have a smooth transition into that. <laughs> <laughs> would you be able to tell me about it? Deborah Cheatham was obviously someone who I wanted to to get to know uh, on moving to Melbourne. Um, so, for a very long time, I was a very regular casual with the WA Symphony Orchestra, a freelance musician uh, back in Perth. And then I got offered a job here in Melbourne at Monash Uni. Uh, there was funding to bring over uh, Indigenous academics. Um, and so sort of one of the, the, the jobs that I have there is to increase Indigenous content in the context units uh, and in the performance units, and also to, to try and increase engagement with Indigenous students in the program. And so, of course, Deborah Cheatham, having done all of the amazing work that she's done, was someone that I really wanted to, to sort of talk to and and, uh, and get to know, you know, so that I could pick her brains about, you know, what would be good in this process. And uh, around the same time that I was thinking of doing that, a friend of mine actually got in touch um, because they'd heard an interview on radio with Deborah Cheatham doing a call out to Indigenous classical musicians around the country. So at the time she was trying to put together an ensemble uh, of entirely Indigenous classical musicians. And it's it's something that's kind of modelled off the Chinake Orchestra in the UK. So it's an orchestra made up entirely of people of colour who are 
very you know historically very underrepresented in London's orchestra scene. And so similar concept here, but with Indigenous people. The main difference being that that we don't have quite the numbers that they do um, of you know, black musicians in the UK. So we started out and have started out more as a chamber ensemble rather than a full orchestra. And uh, we're often augmented by you know friends uh, of the ensemble for, for various projects. But it, it started off uh, as this sort of one day in January project uh, back, must be three or four, I think four years ago now. And it's sort of just grown from that ever since. And we've had, uh, you know, as part of the program, we have scholarship recipients. Uh, so always looking for, for new young members to join uh, who could potentially be the next generation of, of Indigenous uh, classical musicians. And it was, I guess, really just a chance to to show that this is a pathway that that can exist for, for young Indigenous kids. This is music that they can in, engage with, that they can get involved with. And, you know, it's it's an option for them. Aaron Wyatt is a Noongar, Yamaji and Wongai man from Perth and the first Indigenous person to conduct one of the major orchestras in Australia. You can catch him on stage with the Consort of Melbourne at Federation Square on the 14th of March from 11am. It's part of Musica Viva Edge. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.